<coughs> well, good morning. <coughs> I wonder if uh, Deacon is here that could maybe get a little air moving. Is that is, is can I have an amen for that? A little air, you know. Uh, uh, just uh, maybe just a. I know it's not uh, full on spring, but uh, maybe we got heated up or something with the spirit. I don't know, but. Uh, would you turn to Second <clears throat> Corinthians uh, in your Bible or the one found in front of you or online with your phone? Second Corinthians, the 11th chapter. I'll be reading there in just a moment. Second Corinthians 11. In the back of my Bible, <clears throat> I keep quotes of all kinds and jokes. Uh, and they have to qualify to get in here. I mean, this is, they have to really be, you know, things that I, that I was looking at some of my quotes and my jokes. Um, and I thought I would share one or two with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one, you know Charlie Brown. I love Charlie Brown, and, and his sister Lucy, uh, <clears throat> particularly, uh, are, are great. And they're having a debate, and it's gotten very heated. And finally, Lucy says, "I love humanity. It's people I can't stand." <laughs> and. Uh, Another one, this guy says to his friend, he says, that's just stupid. That's stupid. That's, that's like teaching a, a pig to sing. It not only frustrates you, it annoys the pig. I go to an Al-Anon meeting and not too long back, I, I heard a, a lady say something that I thought was very profound, and it made it in the back, because it, it really spoke to me. She was speaking out of the depth of her, her heart and her experience, and, and she said, you know, one of the things I've learned is no matter how bad things get, no matter how bad things get, I can always make them worse with my reaction. No matter how bad things get, I can always make them worse with my reaction. Can you say amen to that? Do you recognize we can amplify the wrong things? Uh, that's true, isn't it? We, we can do that. Things can be really bad, but we can, if we're not careful, we can amplify them with our reaction rather than being part of the solution. We can become part of the problem. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for the president to save me. Can you say amen to that? Past president... Present president, future president. I ain't looking to the president to save me. I'm looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? And somebody I can hear just saying to themselves, it's a good thing. 
it's a good thing that you're not looking to, to... Because no human institution can save us. We need a Savior who is Christ Jesus, our, our Lord. And you know, beloved, as uh, our, our brother Matt said, it is our obligation as, as, as believers to, to vote and participate. It's our moral obligation to participate and, and we ought to be a part of that uh, fully. But we need to be careful of something. And I want you, you to think about this for a second with me. Because we can, if we're not careful, we can confuse our government with the kingdom. And the establishing of our government as the kingdom. And... Uh, They're not the same. The old hymn, This world is not my home. I'm doing what? Just passing through. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. And yes, we ought to be salt and light. That's what we are told to do. To be salt and light. To influence and impact. You see, isn't that what light does? We're not just to curse the darkness. We're to light a light. If we curse the darkness, we, we begin to start to participate with the same spirit of the world. And we don't want to do that. We want a different spirit. And so we've got to light a light in the midst of the darkness. And tell me, who wins? Darkness or light? The light always defeats the darkness. And so we, we light a candle. We, we have impact and influence through being salt and light. Salt's a preservative. It, it keeps things from rotting. That's what we're to do as Christians in society. We are to show up. We are to speak up. But with that spirit <clears throat> that we're not citizens ultimately just of this world, but, 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 but a world to come. So the sermon today is about having impact and influence. An impact through our influence. Each one of us have a sphere of influence. We can't do everything. We get overwhelmed. You want, the quickest way to get discouraged is to try to change everybody. How many of you know can say amen to that? Change my wife, change, you know, my job. Change. The quickest way to get real discouraged is to try to change everybody. And the best way to get encouraged is to get with a few people in agreement and begin lighting a light, lifting the candle. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and the best way we do that is in our little sphere of influence. We can't do everything, but what is it we can do in our little Lead us, Lord, to do that. You know, one of my heroes that had influence and impact is a, a, a lady that many of the younger people here may not even know. Her name was Helen Keller. And Helen Keller was born without sight and could not hear. She was born in obscurity and yet became a world figure who impacted hundreds of thousands and, and even millions of people because of her faith and because of her courage, her sphere of influence was so great. And you know, I was thinking she died a long time ago, but she's still influencing her courage and her faith God's using. It influenced me. 
You read some about her life. You read some about her faith. Powerful. And here's two things that she said. The first is, she's always asked by reporters, can you imagine you can't see anything and you can't hear anything? So they had to spell it into her hand. She was asked about the suffering in the world. And she said in response, yes, it's true. The world is full of suffering. But it's also true that it's full of people who are overcoming it by the grace of God. Another time, a reporter privately just said to her, listen, you know, you're, you can't see, you can't hear. Is it worth living like that? And she paused. I'll never forget what she said. She paused and she said, there's a lot of living to do within these bounds. There's a lot of living. There's a lot of living to do within these bounds. You see, courage and faith awaken life over death. They have impact and influence because Christ is greater than all of those things that we struggle with and the sufferings of this world. Christ has overcome the world. Can you say amen? And He can overcome the world in us and the suffering in us and actually take the very things that we loathe, our weakness and sufferings, and He can redeem them in such a way that they're used for great power. He can take our misery, beloved, and make it a ministry if we allow Him into it. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians, I want to talk about another hero whose life has impacted and influenced everyone here. He's been misunderstood. He's been accused in our day of being a male chauvinist, of being a heartless intellectual, but nothing could be farther from the truth because the Apostle Paul was a broken-hearted man. He, 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 he had a heart sickness. He was a heart-sick father. He just loved his people and was willing to sacrifice him very, his, very, his very self. And so we read of some of the struggles. And we'd never know a lot of the sufferings of his life without this book, 2 Corinthians. We'd never be able to know the depth of his aching heart. And he begins by recognizing that he's, he's in a battle in 2 Corinthians. You see, uh, he, he loves the church there. He was the founding father of that church. He, he watched them birth and he saw them come to Christ. You know, many of you are parents and grandparents. When you see a, an infant, you, you celebrate each step. And he had done that with all these believers. He had seen the fellowship in Corinth grow. And he was just watching over them and loving and sacrificing for them. And yet, painfully, a new suitor came to town. And he was flashier and more, more dashing and, and, and alluring. He had a superior gospel, he claimed. And, and Paul's heartbroken. His children in the Lord, these that he's birthed and helped raise, and they're, they're, they're turning. And so we read in 2 Corinthians, I wish 
He says, verse 2, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy for I'm betrothed to you. To one husband that to Christ I might present you as a, a, a pure virgin. But if I'm afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by the craftiness of your mind, should you be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. You see, someone came preaching a different Gospel. The Judaizers came and, and, and they, they were not only uh, wanting to malign and discredit Paul's ministry, they were wanting to run him off. They, they, they were ripping his heart out. And you knew the only problem was it was working. You see, the, the, they were being drawn off because the, the, the Corinthians, when they heard of this more powerful, superior gospel, the, these dashing suitors, and when, when they heard about Paul, that, that Paul, they, they, they claimed, was, was an inferior in his speech and in his, his statue, they claimed to be superior. Uh, as super apostles with their clever oratory, they began to mesmerize the ignorant Corinthians. And the worst part about it is it worked. They fell for it. The Corinthians loved the boasting and the bravado and the posturing of these new suitors. It was alluring to them. It, 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 it was enamoring to them. They, they were tickled their ears and, and, and wooed. They mistook the arrogance of these new suitors as, as authority. Paul was stunned. After all this time, after all this sacrifice, can you imagine as a parent or a grandparent? He was jilted. He, he simply could say they've left their first love. Can you feel the pain of that? They're following a different gospel. Lord, we pray that You would speak to us about where real power and influence comes from. It doesn't come from boasting and bravado. Your Word says it comes from sacrifice and weakness. That in our weakness, You're made strong. In Jesus' name. Boasting. I looked it up. They were boasting and bravado and all that. Boasting to blow one's own trumpet, to brag, to call attention to one's achievements, to exaggerate claims of superiority, lifting yourself up while putting someone else down. Do you remember? I am the greatest. Who said that? Muhammad Ali. There have been lots of other people in show business and leaders. I'm the greatest. Look at me. Bravado. And you know, we think to ourselves, how disgusting. That's really disgusting. You know, just when we see it in anybody, it's just disgusting. <coughs> but you know, beloved, down deep, all of us would like to get a little recognition. An honorable mention every once in a while. Amen? All of us want to, to be 
maybe not the greatest, but at least be recognized. Get to dunk every once in a while, or get a crown, or, or, you know, just an honorable mention, you know, the spotlight, to win a prize. I've never won anything. To lift a trophy, MVP. We all love to be the greatest. There's something about us. I want to be the star. Well, Al, it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. But it did once. It did once. It happened to me. Yes, hard to believe. But I was the star. I, me myself, I was the star of our neighborhood basketball team. Now, I, I do want to mention there were only other, uh, two other players. Uh, Drew Pappas and Jake Berger, who didn't even have a ball. But, nevertheless, the point is, I was the star. I was feeling good. I was on the throne. That is, until we unfortunately played another team. (laughs) And I was dethroned. Very quickly dethroned. Isn't it terrible, beloved, how that happens? There's always someone out there that knocks us off of our throne. You know, the truth is, we weren't meant to be the greatest. There's only one. And if we, beloved, want our lives to be great and have great impact... That one said we needed to be the servant of all. The one who wants to be great in my kingdom, Jesus said, needs to be what? Tell me. The servant. The servant of all. i got good news. You don't have to be great to be used greatly by God. You can be greatly used by God. But the fundamental question, I heard somebody say this one time, the fundamental question is, is your goal to impress people or to influence them? Is your goal in life to impress people, to make them think that you're great, that you, you've got it together, that you've got every hair in place? That, 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 is your goal in life to be thought of as great, to, to impress or to influence To say, our God is great. And I want to influence you to see how great our God is. (coughs) The Apostle Paul was in a terrible mess. 
He could have claimed to be great. He was a man of a lot of, of talent. He had studied under Gamaliel. It's the Harvard of their day. He, he, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he could have represented himself as great. He had a great pedigree. He could have boasted. <coughs> but he says in Philippians, I've considered all those things as dung for the surpassing greatness of the value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. He didn't celebrate his greatness he didn't lift up his accolades. You notice in the, in the New Testament, whenever he, he gave his testimony, he gave his testimony five times. And every time, he didn't talk about his accomplishments. He talked about his failures, his weakness. And yet, God was strong. He wanted God to, to be seen. He saw and knew himself to be a, a trophy of, of God's grace and <coughs> mercy. But he was being attacked and maligned. Is that air conditioner working yet? <laughs> he was being attacked and maligned. And so finally, in 2 Corinthians, he shares his side of the, the story. He's put in an uncomfortable place, brothers and sisters. He, he's put in a place where he has to defend himself to his, his own family, his own children. He's got to say, listen to me. Look at me. Haven't I? Because of the immaturity of, 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 the, of the spiritual state of the Corinthians, Paul was forced to boast on himself, and yet he stumbles over it and he apologizes over and over in these chapters. 2 Corinthians 11, 18, he finally brings his case. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. Since they are boasting according to the flesh, okay, I'm going to boast also. It's, it's, if in essence he's saying, if that's the end thing in this fellowship, then okay, have at it. For you, being so wise, Corinthians, bear with foolishness gladly. Verse 20, for you bear with anyone if they enslave you, if they devour you, if they take advantage of you, if they exalt themselves. To my shame, we have been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect, anyone else is bold. I speak foolishness, but I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. And yet, he stops there. And rather than continuing to talk about his boasts and accomplishments and his authority and his achievements, what does he do? It's about his sufferings. He goes into his sufferings, not his strengths, his, and even into his weaknesses. Read with me. He says in verse 23, I speak as insane, for, for I've gone through far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, 
often in danger of death. Five times I received lashes, 39 lashes from the Jews. See, we wouldn't know all these details except for this chapter. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. We only know one of his times of being shipwrecked. But he three times was shipwrecked and spent the night in the deep. Verse 26, I have been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, danger from the city, danger from the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things. He says in verse 28, the daily pressures are upon me concerning all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? You see, Paul's saying, I'm a father. What touches you touches me. I'm not just a fair hair suitor, I'm a broken hearted father. And how do you know that, that my love is real? Because it sacrifices. Real love sacrifices. One last humiliation he shares. I have to boast, he says in verse 30, I'll boast in what pertains to my weakness. And then he tells of one last thing that happened to him. A humiliation in Damascus where the king is, is trying to kill him and to seize him. And he's, he's let down. It says, verse 33, in a basket. The great Apostle Paul is let down from a window in the wall. So he, he escapes out of their hands. Which of those dashing suitors would have revealed that vulnerability? None of them. You see, Paul was laid out. He was willing to be totally used and weak that others could be lifted up. Each trial, beloved, left its mark on him. I bear the scars in my body. He suffered because love, true love, sacrifices. And he had been constrained by the love of Christ. The love of Christ constrains me. He knew what he had done in his past. And he knew his calling would be difficult because God told him. But he willingly gave it up because of what it would do for others. He was willing to allow his weaknesses, his failures, even his sin to be exposed so that others might be strengthened and others might be helped. You know, I read this week, we'll never know the heartache and sacrifice of our parents until we have children of our own. When we have children, we begin to understand. He had children, and he 
was hurting over those children. And he, he went on, and, and now, there's not time in chapter 12, he, he boasts, he says, uh, it's not profitable, he says, and apologizes for it. But he, he says, God even gave me these revelations where I was taken into the third heaven. And yet he, he goes on to say, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, verse 7, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. You see, he groaned too in this creation. We need to understand as believers, it is, it, these folks just didn't float. These are real stories and real events. I sought God. I was, he, he, was, he was being tormented. And God finally said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, I'm going to give you, if you'll seek me, I'll give you a greater grace to go through this. And what did Paul, the servant, the trophy of God's grace say? Most Therefore, I will rather boast in my weakness that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Can you say amen? Think of the people who have really influenced and impacted your life spiritually. Were they rich and famous? No. Were they wise and mighty in the world's eyes? No. But God used them. God used them to touch your life. To move your soul. To turn you toward the grace of Almighty God. Their weakness and vulnerability. Why? Listen now as we close. Why did that happen? Listen, because they weren't living to impress. They were living to influence. They weren't living so that you would think they were great. They wanted you to know that you were great. That God greatly loved you. They were willing to seek you out and to to come alongside you. And God took the little fish in the loaves and multiplied it and changed your heart. What makes a great church? Is it that it has a lot of impressive people and money? Tell me. Oh, we want to be great. Isn't that the world? Isn't that the way the world thinks? How do you think God really sees a great church, a successful church? It's, a, it's an honest question. Can I, can I ask you to respond to it? I, I'd like you to... How, what, 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 how would God say... This is really what a great church is. What, what would he say? 
Raise your hand because I can't hear. Yes, John. Obedience and love. Yes. L- loving one another. Thank you. Caring enough for the lost. You remember what it's like to be lost? Have you forgotten? Or I sometimes do. Yes. Okay, equipping the, uh, the saints is a great church, a successful church. Spirit-filled, following the Spirit of, of God and, and His Word. And we're equipped to do something. Anything else? A successful church. Yes. Prayerful church. We're not just doing our will. We really want to know what God's will is. Anybody else? Yeah. Making disciples. Mentoring the next generation and the next generation. Seeing that that I have intention in my life. That there's something I'm called to do. That the older women are to disciple the younger women. The older men, we're, we're to be the servants to pass the baton. To have influence and impact. What do you think? Could a church of 300 committed believers make a difference in the world? Do you really believe that? How does that happen? You know what? It's already happening. You know, a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Steve was calling out and you know, different ministries that are going on. You know, this is a giving congregation. Giving in every way. There are all kinds of ministries privately only God sees. But I promise you, God does see what you're doing. In your sphere of influence, He sees that you are intentionally, prayerfully doing this or that. It's beautiful. How beautiful. We would be surprised how many ministries are actually sitting in this room. How many people are involved. But perhaps, listen, we're closing now. What if you are looking for a way to be in ministry? To get involved again in ministry. I've got a simple idea. It's a simple idea. Here it is. Are you ready? You're already going. Why don't you take someone with you? I'm going to say it again. Nobody got it, I don't think. You're already, you are already going. Why don't you take somebody with you? I mean, prayerfully. You know, who needs, you know, I'm going to be going now. Who can I take with me? Now, I want you to help me. Let's give some examples. You're you're already going. Now, prayerfully, who can I take with me to... And, and I want you to fill in the blank. Let me see a hand. Somebody, wh- wh- where could you take somebody with you to? Yeah, Karen. The Good Shepherd House. The, the, the small group going to the Good Shepherd House. Praise the Lord. So, yes, ma'am, in the back. I, look, I'm going to celebrate recovery. You know, I think about the stretcher bearers, the four stretcher bearers. You know, we've all been on that stretcher, amen? But somebody bore the stretcher and took the person to Jesus. 
You could be a stretcher bearer. You, you know, I, I don't go to celebrate with God. You could that night. You could take them with you. You could say, look, they're hurting. They're, they need, I'm going to, let's go. I'll go with you. Somebody else. Anybody? Al. Church without walls. People are going to that. Any, anything else? Real quickly before we close. I'm sorry? Heaven. Take them to heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Very good. But I mean, I, you know, we had some people, the teenagers, the last teenagers time we had, they brought some others, they thought about it. You know, they're shut in. I could go by it. And, 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 and they brought them. Beautiful. You know, folks with grief share. You know, they've already gone through the grief share and are doing well. But they said, you know, we're going to come back. And, and we're going to be there for the next group because we want to love them the way we were loved. Beautiful. And that, there's a community now that's formed that meets uh, monthly. You know, the new member class. You, you say, look, you know, have you been through? I'm, I, come on, let's, let's go. To a Christian concert, to your small group. Hey, I'm going anywhere. Anyway, would you like to come and be a part? Here's one. Yeah, Karen. To church. That's not bad. Bring a neighbor. Here's one. How about after church? Saying, hey, prayerfully, Lord, who's somebody who may, may need a, you know, a meal? Take them to lunch. I'm available. <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> you know, here's the point. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. To reach out in little ways, in little ways. And just give the fish and the loaf. And God multiplies it. Little acts of vulnerability, little acts of kindness, little notes in Jesus' name. It's got to be in Jesus' name. And they get multiplied. And relationships begin to form. And then in a mystery, I don't know how God does it, but He begins to change hearts through weakness. Through our weakness, God shows Himself strong. And so, Father, thank You that Your greatest strength is not demonstrated in our being all that. but in our willingness to show our wounds, to be weak, to be vulnerable, to build a bridge, to see someone when nobody noticed. Or rent our hearts as we see the sacrifice of those who've gone before us like the Apostle Paul, rent our hearts. They gave it all. They died in terrible ways for their faith. They gave it all. Because they saw themselves as trophies of Your grace. Or we are each trophies of Your grace. 
And if a man is to boast, let him boast in the Lord. Lord, this next hymn, we just pray as we sing it that we would do what Paul said. He said, I have nothing to boast in except the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing really to boast. But I boast in the cross. Lord, we ask that as we stand and sing that You would do a work again in our hearts. Remind us of the people that need a touch. We can't do everything, Lord. But we can do something. Show us, Lord, that something. And we will give You all the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand and let's let's sing this wonderful, wonderful hymn. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His
song rents my heart. It rents my heart. Why should I gain from His reward? We can't give an answer. There is no merit. But we thank You, God, for showing mercy to us when we deserve judgment. You gave us mercy at the cross. And Lord, as Michael did last week, I want us to turn as we're praying and turn to the outer wall. Would you do that now? Just turn toward an outer wall. And Lord, as we look not at the inside, but as we move beyond the walls, we have a sphere of influence, Lord. We are debtors to Your grace, O God. The love of God constrains us. Lord, we pray that we would see the hurting. That we would care. We can't do everything, Lord. But we have a sphere of influence where we can do something. We can give the fish and the loaf. And You'll multiply it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Before you leave, you have a sphere of influence right around you. Uh, and would you turn in your sphere of influence and share the love of God with somebody? Practice the sharing of the love of God with somebody in your sphere of influence, right where you are. <laughs>